everyone and welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast uh, alongside, as always, Ross Miller and Tom Collins. And uh, we're approaching the final classic of the season. It's that uh, realisation that the summer is just coming to a slow and sad end. Um, but hopefully we can round it off on a on a high uh, looking at this uh, uh, this classic, this final classic, and what is shaping up to be quite an interesting renewal. Um, only uh, the contenders are sort of shaped around the sort of the, the obvious yards, but it's still very competitive. There's no obvious standout. Um, but before we get into that, um, just a real reflection on last weekend, because I think we were all looking forward to Irish Champions Festival and it didn't disappoint at all, although it feels like sometimes racing is a bit of an EastEnders episode um, with all the um, all the, the news related around more the, the people rather than the horses. And uh, after what was quite a um, an interesting weekend for Ammo Racing. They now no longer have um, their retained rider in Kevin Stott, but that shouldn't be marred away from the fact that there was a, a brilliant horse race in uh, the Irish Champion Stakes. And the genius that is Aidan O'Brien does it again. He's Augusta Rodin is similar to, to Lazarus and that he seems to come back from near dead um, twice now this season. And uh, he did it in fine style, but it was really tactics that really dominated. And I think that the, the Bally Doyle trio just got it spot on. And um, in fact, it was... Um, our, we, our selections could only finish in the placings. Ross's each-way selection, Luxembourg, did run a brilliant race to finish second. And my each-way selection, Nashua, was a little bit gut-wrenching. She was doing all her best work late on and she was a fast finishing third. But less of that, more of uh, Tom Collins, who's on fire at the moment. Another winning nap, um, uh, following in from last week's winning nap. Nakib, the 5-2 to favourite um, in the end, but uh, he uh, just cemented his position as, as, a, as, a, as a horse who's probably on the right side of the handicap still and uh, related to the... To, the, such good horses and the shapes of uh, Bayid and Hookham, he deserves to be going the right way. So, TC, I'm sure you're pleased with that. Um, maybe a quick summary of what you thought about the racing in Ireland and how it all panned out. I suppose Saturday was a, a great day and very bit of a damp squib then on Sunday when City of Troy was last minute uh, a withdrawal. So it kind of left a bit of a, a a bit of a blunt taste in the mouth after what was a great day on Saturday. I thought. Yeah, exactly. Well, obviously, Nikib was a highlight for me. I was on air in Saudi Arabia at the time of all this great racing was going on in Ireland and England. So I didn't get to see any of it live. Um, obviously, seeing the result of Nikib winning was a, a big touch. I don't know. Al Riffa didn't run in the Irish champion. City of Troy didn't run on Sunday. They were my only two real interests as a neutral and the former as a punter as well. So I didn't have that much going on, I have to say, over in Ireland. Um, the racing is obviously quite good. And Ulrich Rodan is either zero or hero. Um, it's good to see that he was hero again for his future uh, stallion uh, career. But yeah, I'm, I'm ready to move on, I think, Jess. Oh, OK. Well, enough of that then. I was going to ask Ross about Henry Longfellow because I think he was a quite a star performance, but I've been told. And also, considering Tom is in such good form, I need to respect those uh, wiser than me on this podcast. So we'll do that. We'll get ahead into the St. Ledger, um, which we have got um, declarations in now for. We're recording at 11 o'clock on Thursday morning. And it's been quite an interesting morning, considering we've always known that... Um, 
John and Thady Goldston were going to run to Gregory and arrest, but it was who, Frankie Dettori, he was writing all his own headlines at the moment, who he was going to ride for his final chance in the St. Ledger. Was it going to be Gregory? Was it going to be arrest? He is decided uh, to pick arrest, uh, the Frankel Colts, I suppose, maybe, with the mindset that it's going to be uh, quite soft ground. It's officially soft today on their first day. Um, We know Doncaster can get very testing, and we know arrest does appreciate that ground so uh, Frankie's on arrest but the favorite um and I would say I wouldn't be far off to say that these could change arrest is three to one currently um but Gregory is seven to two uh, not too far um behind we've got continuous at four to one five to one for desert hero uh, middle earth is 15 to two 11 to one for tower of london and bigger prices for, for the rest which include two um, Ballydool trained runners who might just sort of make this quite interesting pace wise. Um, I think that it's interesting arrest. He's been, a, he's been a horse and I've got to thank um, a very important man behind the scenes in, in uh, George Smiley here uh, for giving some quite uh, interesting stats when it comes to uh, this horse of rest. And in that, that he's a, uh, he's a horse that obviously went off favourite for the Derby, but if he's sent off favourite on Saturday, he'll be the first beaten favourite of the Derby to also be sent off favourite for the St. Ledger since Dushinator in 1996. I can't remember that horse, uh, but that horse did finish uh, second in both. Um, how will rest get on? Uh, TC, you're the man in form. What do you think of his chances in the shape of the rest of the race? Well, it's crazy to me that he's current favourite. I know, obviously, the Frankie factor puts him at the top of the market. He was 5-1 to one prior to Frankie deciding to ride a rest uh, over Gregory. But if you told me after he finished 10th in the Derby, no matter what price he was uh, before the race, and then 5th in the King George, that this horse was then going to be favourite for the St. Ledger, I would have said you are bonkers. You are bonkers. You are crazy. That is the maddest suggestion I've heard all season. Yeah, it looks like it's going to happen. Um, he likes deep underfoot conditions. That's the only pro I've got for you. I don't think this horse is good enough to win. Uh, and it's not, I mean, look, it's not the best St. Ledger I've ever seen. But at the same time, there are still some quality and good future prospects in there. I've got to take him on, Jess. Okay, right. And I don't blame you, really. I think he's got a patch enough form. Not entirely certain that that, that race last time, the Jeffrey Freer is the deepest of races. Yes, he was impressive, but there might be a stronger level of form around. Uh, before I get into your selections, Ross, I just get your thoughts of the, of the St. Ledger picture, what kind of race we have in store here. We've got nine runners. Do we do we get carried away by the strength of this race? Do we give it, it, it its dues? You know, we've seen some good performances over the, the last few years from the sort of the obvious yards. Are we lo- sort of lacking a horse of this sort of distance? Are we we're breeding horses that want to run over this kind of trip anymore? You know, it, it's it they're not they're not they're not stand it's not a standout race as potentially it might once be sort of going back a few decades. No, I mean it's a competitive race because there's not a superstar in here. Um, we, we really need one of the big yards, don't we, to, to, to win the Guineas, win the Derby, and then be brave enough to try and go for the Triple Crown. And it would be that sort of chat that would get this race perhaps back at the, at the forefront. It's just a race that seems to slightly pass everyone by. You know, people don't really set out their season wanting to win it, because if you've got a cult that you want to send to, to stud, you are essentially making him a pretty unattractive prospect for the for the flat breeding and sending him into the national hunt sphere which is not as as lucrative um so yeah i i, I agree with tc i think it's competitive i don't think there's a superstar 
absolutely agree with him about arrest. I mean, how this is favourite. Um, you know, the, the form of the Jeffrey Freer beat, beat, a, beat a fairly exposed filly last time. It was rated 94. Now, I know her rating's gone up off the back of that, but it wasn't like she was unexposed particularly to me. And she runs uh, today when we're recording Thursday, 3.35. So you might have a bit more of a grasp of that form uh, if you listen to the podcast Friday or Saturday, but seems seems a Frankie factor to me. Yeah, Ching Shi, that's the, the filly who ran a big race at double figure price. I, that's just the angle that I see that I'm just not going to get too carried away. Um, I suppose the one storyline that we haven't touched on yet, you know, Frankie, there's the Frankie factor, but there's also the the kind of the, the people's story of Her Majesty, His Majesty the King and Her Majesty the Queen, represented by Desert Hero, um, bred by her late queen a year ago, around about a year ago, she she's passed away. It would be her, around her funeral time this time last year. So it would be very apt if Desert Hero was to go in and win the St. Ledger and, and, and win a classic in, the, in their first years as outright owners. Obviously, that's a lovely story, Tom. But is it just a lovely story or could it genuinely come good? Is this a St. Ledger winner? Sometimes headlines write themselves, right? Um, and I'm hopeful that's going to be the case this weekend as well. Look, just to briefly touch on a couple of the other runners before we get into Desert Hero, who is my selection in this year's St. Ledger. I love Middle Earth as a horse. I think he's going to be a super prospect next year. This might just be a, a little step too far so early in his career. And Gregory is definitely the horse to beat, in my opinion, especially given you can forgive his uh, great voltage and loss. It wasn't a good ride by Frankie that day, super inefficient from the front. But getting into Desert Hero, yes, it would be an amazing story, super apt given the time of year. And obviously what happened with the Queen and subsequently now the King owns uh, Desert Hero in the famous Silks. I think this horse is open to plenty of improvement and people are probably going to overlook him because, you know, Gregory's a little bit sexier. Frankie's on arrest, so he's the story right now. Um, and people are going to look for those two. Aidan O'Brien's got a whole battalion in the race and we know Aidan's record in the St. Ledger. So Desert Hero's not going to take all the money, which I think is interesting. That therefore should mean he's going to be a fair price. This horse has lots of potential. He was very good at Royal Ascot, albeit in a race that completely fell apart up front. And he did benefit from it, given his early position towards the back of the pack. Last time up, he ran a very nice RPR. I think it was 113. Now, if you look back at the recent winners of the St. Ledger, you only really need to run to about 117, 118 to win this race. So he has to improve, what, four or five pounds. That's eminently plausible here for Desert Hero. William Haggis, super shrewd and has left him off the track uh, for a good few weeks to freshen him up for this target. Again, a big tick. He's also three out of three on soft or heavy ground. So the ground isn't a problem. And he's one on good at Royal Ascot. Super versatile. So I think there are more ticks in the boxes for Desert Hero than actually any other horse in this race. Yet he's a decent price. Yeah, I know. I'm baffling, really. And he was a, a decent price when he won at Goodwood uh, last time out. I think maybe just more on that point um, is that, is it that because he won a handicap in sort of tough and gutsy style? And when he did win that handicap at Royal Ascot, it was, you know, it was a beautifully judged ride wasn't it and maybe the ride was given more credit than the horse but now it's the horse showing that he's not just a horse that you know needs a strong pace and can weave what the way through and and it's a quite a classic handicap type of performance he's actually got the talent to go and and win a, a group one which you know have to say it's a fair jump up considering where he began at the beginning of the year. Yeah, well, you're not wrong there for sure. I mean, the Gordon Stakes last time isn't exactly the same level as the St. Ledger, but the RPRs suggest that he is well capable 
of uh, winning in a group one. So, you know, there are question marks now he's stepping up in class, but the majority of these haven't really proven themselves at the top level. You know, Gregory's best win came at Royal Ascot, but it wasn't in a very good race. And the horse he beat, uh, the Andrew Baldwin trained horse, isn't exactly exceptional. Then he got beat when stepping up in class in the Great Voltager. Arrest, again, stepped up to Group 1, lost in the Derby, was very disappointing in the King George. So these horses at the top of the market haven't yet proven they're at, at uh, Group 1 level. I actually think Desert Hero's done more so far in his career, and he's actually opened as much improvement, if not more, than the majority of these, maybe barring Gregory. So, yeah, I mean, people will overlook him. On the back of that Royal Ascot run, if he hadn't run since in the Gordon Stakes, I'd have been very similar to what you just said there. Flattered by the way the race panned out at Royal Ascot, maybe not as good as he showed. But I think last time he proved that he's well capable of uh, running to this level. Okay, so that's Desert Hero, and I completely agree with you. I just like his versatility. I like the comments of um, William Haggis during the week about, you know, that he's just really flourishing. He's a horse that's just sort of coming into himself, they're sort of understanding him more. You know, he's a sort of a classic superstars who's just probably even be better next year. And um, they didn't really know what he was at the back end of last year. And they certainly probably would have been a little bit disappointed by his run, his first run back in, in, the, Lon- in the London Gold Cup. So he's really taken giant strides. But um, Ross, I think we, we shouldn't completely rule out the others that are making giant strides like some middle earth what he did um last time in the melrose he's was hands and heels better than a strong field i think that was a good renewal of that race um to set him up for for an opportunity like this in a, a similar vein as, as desert hero has just sort of making his way through the ranks a really likable son of of roaring lions so they're probably sort of grouped together and then there's the likes of continuous and i i think we'd be foolish to overlook um, an Aidan O'Brien trained three-year-old considering the season he's had and considering the way he put brushed aside um, Gregory the last day. So was it easy for you to make your decision here? Uh, no, it wasn't easy. I, I agree with TC. I think Middle Earth has had a fairly rapid ascent and I, I just wonder about the soft ground for him. Continuous is the, is the one that just niggled away at me. I think it's too easy to assume that uh, he was flattered by the way Gregory was ridden poorly last time but he did finish very powerfully this step up in trip I think will suit but again Japanese pedigree I'm just not sold that he was going to want um, this sort of soft ground um, so so for me it is it is desert hero I'll, I'll just go over a couple again I mean a rest is just the absolute epitome of a flat track bully isn't he I mean at grade three group three he looks really smart every time he's gone above that that group he's he's flattered to deceive um it's then concerning that frankie has chosen him over over gregory um that that worries me slightly i wonder quite a nice moving horse whether the soft ground is is going to suit and he disappointed last time you can forgive that because it was a bad ride but i think he finished very tired i think he had a hard race there i, I think when you when you push your horse out of its comfort zone i think that can leave a mark he is a very big baby from a late developing family so I just wonder whether he might have left his run behind so for me it is it is desert hero um in the juvenile watch uh, last year I did it my final piece was a a few horses not to forget and, and he was top of the list I was really excited about him seeing him in the in the London gold cup he'd gone slightly under the radar I napped him and thought I'd been really smart and he just ran no sort of race at all got very hot very keen um has done nothing but improve since then value for far more than the winning margin last time at Goodwood where Tom Marcon had to sit and wait in behind a, 
a field of horses and zigzag his way through and and I think won a little bit cosily in the end and showed a nice turn of foot but should certainly stay uh, the dam is a four sister to Dartmouth um, who won the Yorkshire Cup over this trip and was a very narrow second in the Lonsdale Lonsdale Cup so I don't think there's any doubts about stamina in the pedigree he's unbeaten on ground that's soft or heavy so the rain isn't gonna isn't gonna affect him um, Tom Marcond as uh, knows him well um, he's clearly an adaptable ride and I, I just think he, he's got the most solid profile and I agree with TC I don't think we've seen the best of him yet but I would just add in if, if, if you like him um, you've got to be interested in chess piece I know I've just said that Desert Hero was a, was a cosy winner last time, and I think he was. But chess piece was, again, for the second time in a row, still keen enough in the early stages, stuck at it well and was just simply beaten by a faster horse over that trip. I think the one mile six trip is going to be no issue at all. I know he finished behind Gregory uh, at Royal Ascot, but that was on quicker ground. And you can just see by the knee action of chess piece, that wasn't going to suit him at all. He just couldn't quicken off that ground. If the ground comes soft... Um, I think that's going to suit him by Nathaniel. Uh, it just looks to me like an absolute dour stayer. And, at, you know, more than twice the price of Desert Hero, I'll certainly have a little bit of a saver on, on him. Yeah. And on that, do you think that the, his running style is keenness? He'll be he'll be helped by the, the pace set up of this race, which will probably be strong enough with, you know, a, a couple of Aidan O'Brien pace setters, you'd have to imagine in there set up for continuous because we know that that's how it worked out for continuous last time that they went off too strong and he was able to bide his time. So they've obviously been thrown in there to make it a, a truly run race. Yeah. I'd like to think that James Doyle might be able to sort of take a bit of a pull coming out the stalls and just drop in behind the one, probably two Ballydor pacemakers. Um, you'll know your fate fairly early, fairly early. If he's, if he's not able to do that and he gets, you know, sandwiched between the two or upside to the two and they go a bit quick, um, it's going to be a problem because it could make him run more keen. But if James Doyle can just sort of grab a hold of him, leaving the stores, drop him in in, in third, might just help that early stages. It's only the first two or three furlongs. You know, once he finds a rhythm, he's got a lovely, powerful way of going. And clearly at Goodwood, they were keen to use his stamina over that trip. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's a likely winner. I think it would be a very disappointing St. Ledger if, if he could win it. But I think against the plenty in here that I'm just not sure are going to like the soft ground, he definitely will, and I think his price makes him attractive. Yeah, certainly. James Doyle, who's had a quiet summer-ish, is having a better end to it. Obviously, Warm Heart giving him a, another Group 1 and a middle distance mare. He knows how to, to ride the, these middle distance races so well, so he's on board chess piece for the Godolphin team. Um, I think it might be a first for a long time. Now, someone might remember the last time all three of us put up, up, put up the same selection for a race that we're previewing. But I think we're all very keen on Desert Hero, not just for the, the romantics inside of us, because I'm sure that Ross and TC are romantics at heart and love to see a, a nice story play out in the shape of um, the king and the queen having this this winner and, and it all making racing at the top and front pages and going to be all over the news. And that's exactly what we want to, to help the sport. But genuinely believe that this is a, a good horse and this is a horse that will give William Haggis another um, opportunity to show what he can do with 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 a horse of this nature because he's nurtured him he's really taken his time um he's he's got a 
fabulous jockey on board that knows how best how to ride him and his versatility makes him very likable and what he did and the gameness and the, and the toughness he showed at Ascot to go through the gap shows that he's um he's a he's He's, he's got all the makings to be a, a, a top-class horse, whereas I just have seen, we've seen with the rest um, a couple of times that there's there are areas where you just can't really trust him. We've seen with Continuous that potentially the ground might just be on the on, on too much of a soft side for him, albeit he was a, a winner back last year as a two-year-old on, on soft ground, but just might not be, might be found out by horses that would, just prefer that little bit more than him, and um, and and Gregory may be a bit of a question mark now that Frankie has has deserted him. But I have to say, a great opportunity for Kieran Schumark, who is uh, filling this this role for John and Thady Goldston as as sort of number two when when Frankie's not there, um, potentially number one next year. Um, quite a lot nowadays, so a lot of storylines within this race. But we're all um, keen to see Desert Hero um, take the Saint Ledger on Saturday. So. Um, that's a, a good look at, at what we've got to look forward to, our final classic of the week. Um, but most importantly, I think of all those um, uh, um, eagle-eared listeners who listen to us week after week, we know that Tom's in good form. So we're going to go for our naps and next best first. We'll start with you, Tom. Yeah, well, I'm a bit gutted that Hamish uh, isn't going at Chester or is going to be a short price anyway if he was going to go. So I've decided to look elsewhere. The nap is coming in the 2.15 at Bath and a horse called Blue Collar. Now, this is a 0-75 nursery. It's not good by any means in terms of quality. But this horse is a standout for me. You know, he ran in three red-hot maidens to start his career um, at uh, grade one, group one sorry, tracks. Richard Hannon doesn't often run um, his two-year-olds at those venues if he doesn't think they have some ability. And actually, he ran at the Newmarket July course on his third start and finished fourth on his drop back to six furlongs. Now, I thought that was an extremely eye-catching performance. He wasn't really ridden to win the race, yet he stayed on powerfully and wasn't beaten far at the line. Last time out, they ran him in a class two handicap. He was against horses rated in the 90s. And albeit he was getting weight, uh, quality in class tells at this time of year uh, with young and unexposed horses. And he was just overmatched in that group, eventually finishing 12th. But he wasn't beaten too far. Now, going back to that new market uh, fourth, two starts back, he ran an RPR of 77. The handicappers left him on a mark of 75 right now. And this race is very weak. So I think blue collar is almost a good thing in the 2.15 at Bath. The next best is at Doncaster and a horse that I'm basically falling off the cliff with. And that is Sandrine in the three o'clock, the group two park stakes. Now, look, Carl Burke's horse in this race, Spycatcher is the horse to be. There's no doubt about that. If the ground comes up extremely testing, he'll probably be a short price. But Sandrine gets weight. She's got a good record uh, on t testing ground as well. She won first time uh, she encountered heavy ground. Albeit she's by Bobby's Kitten, whose progeny generally don't want deep underfoot conditions. Uh, if you look at the statistics, it will definitely put you off Sandrine. Uh, I think this filly will actually handle them perfectly fine. Last time up looked like a return to her best. And I think it's crucial that she's running over seven furlongs. She seems to be a completely different horse over seven compared to six or a mile. And she actually beat Kim Ross last year over seven. Now, beating Kim Ross over seven is no mean feat. You know, he's arguably the best seven furlong horse in the country right now. So Sandrine, if she can continue her progress and get back to her best, I think she's a major player in the three o'clock at Doncaster. Okay, well, you heard it here first. The nap from TC is blue collar and Sandrine next best um, back at Doncaster, where it's the, the feature race day on what's been general quite a quieter day um, in the UK and, and Ireland, Ireland. Ross, what are you looking forward to seeing? Well, first of all, I just say that uh, TC will be 
delighted or not delighted to hear that if he gets to the bottom of the cliff with Sandrine, I'll be down there with him too, because she's, she's been on my radar for, for coming on two seasons now. Um, but I, I have left her alone. My nap comes at, at Chester, again in a, in a nursery, as with TCs, and it's the Hugo Palmer-trained Hackman. Um, he's been set some quite lofty uh, assignments lately. Uh, he ran in the Malcolm at Goodwood. He wasn't up to that. And then he ran in the in the Goss Premier Yearling Stakes at, at York, a very competitive sales race. And he finished seventh after a, a very poor start and ran pretty credibly, really, under, under top weight. Um, he drops back now to the to the scene of, of his only win over this trip uh, at Chester. Uh, he's drawn eight, which normally puts me off, but he showed really good gate speed when he when he won here from exactly the same from exactly the same stall. Um, I think he'll he'll use that speed again, get to the front. He's got proven stamina for six furlongs, um, back to five furlongs, an aggressive ride ride around a track that that he likes. Um, I think he'll get back to winning ways off a very busy two-year-old career uh, for Hackman in the 352. And then the next best comes in the 410 at Doncaster. And it's George Barry trained simply Sondheim. Uh, really disappointing uh, last time at Newmarket. But that's the second time uh, he's disappointed on the Roley Mile. And I just think maybe that track doesn't suit. Um, loves the soft ground. Uh, loads of good form on soft ground and on all weather that, that, that rides testing um, and the second place at Chelmsford on a penultimate start doesn't look that bad at all was beaten half a length trying to concede a pound uh, to, to a haunted dawn um, who's now rated 102 hasn't won since then haunted dawn but it's run really well in a number of uh, handicaps and was third off a mark of 101 in the sky bet finale at York so I don't think that mark of 102 flatters that horse Ryan Moore jumps on for George Bowie. I think you've got to really pay attention with, with jockey bookings for this yard. He uses a lot of different jockeys. And I think when he's booked Ryan Moore or William Buick, they're, they're definitely worth a second look. I think a mark of 91 is more than workable. So the next best is Simply Sondheim in the 410 at Doncaster. Yeah, you'll remember Simply Sondheim was that sort of classic George Bowie handicap good thing that went on like a six winning streak and I just thought maybe the handicappers got on got the better of him and hasn't really helped him much recently either um hasn't gone down a pound for that pool run last time but uh he's um he's might have a a good opportunity here although um I'm going to be going against you Ross but I'll, I'll get to that in in a moment um but thank you for that we got Hackman and Simply Sondheim for Ross um, my selections, I'm going to start with that same race, the, the handicap, the 10 furlong handicap at Doncaster. Um, my nap is um, a symbol of light, so I'm against you. I was really interested to see this horse now in the Julie Camacho yard, used to be trained by Charlie Appleby, part of Godolphin. Um, they sold him, they sold him for 60 grand. Um, he went to Julie Camacho to um, gave him uh, wind surgery and he returned after over a year off the track to run a, a very good fourth behind um, Latam, Spirit Catcher and Alreb um, race fit horses in the De, De Laval handicap at Newcastle. And they were a blanket finish. You could throw a blanket over them and uh, really isn't, there wasn't a huge amount there at all. He's beaten a quarter length on a return run after such a long time off the track. And he's clearly had his issues, but prior to, Joining Julie's, he was a horse very progressive for Charlie, Charlie Appleby. Um, they've clearly um, ironed out the problems that he must have had. He's stepping up two furlongs, which based on his pedigree, he should be um, capable of, of achieving. And I just think he's um, by far the best horse in this race. Yes, he has to give a weight away, but there's not a huge amount separating any of them. Um, and I'm 
can't really get behind the others. I can see uh, Ross's point for our hands simply sometime, but I think they've got patchy enough form. And I would just think that this horse is probably um, just that run that might have just got that race fitness back into him. And um, I could see him um, coming along, coming forward from that for Judy Camacho, who had a bit of a, a bit of a tough time last week. And I think that it really reflects a bit of a, a difficult run of form in general. Um, we don't really know what happened to Shaquille when he came, when he failed to beat a horse home in the, in the um, Sprint Cup at Haydock. Um, but let's hope that she has a little bit more um, of a change of fortune in this race with this horse symbol of like running in the Martin Hughes colours. Um, so that's um, slightly two different options for you for that race. And then my next selection, my next best is a return to a horse that I have followed um, with a bit of a soft spot for many years now. And that is um, Happy Romance, who will be running in the Portland Handicap on um, Saturday, um, the 225, which is five and a half furlongs. Um, a couple of things with Happy Romance. She, this will be uh, her first run in the handicap. She has spent most majority of her life running in, in, in good solid pattern races. She was last seen disappointing and well beaten at uh, Royal Ascot. Um, and that was in the King Stand stakes. And I think I would be not too far wrong to say that she might have actually bled that day. They, she's had a she's had a break since. Um, she's a horse that uh, when she wants to be on song, she run, always runs her heart out. I think ground is quite important for her. Um, softer ground should be um, should be no problem. Alec Vakansky, who's had a, a good solid season for his boss, Richard Hannon, takes off a, a, a very helpful five pounds. And I just think she's quite a good each way price at around 12 to one um, in a race where, you know, she's taking a big class drop. And so I'm, I'm happy to see her take her chances in it. So that is uh, my two selections for you this weekend at Doncaster. Um, we've given you our thoughts for the St. Ledger. We'll, we'll be interesting to see how that um, develops and pans out, especially the prices. But let's hope that Desert Hero doesn't come contract in price too much because I think he's quite a nice, um, solid bet as it stands. But um, we would we would we'll imagine it's going to change things around. Keep an eye on the ground as well um thanks as always to tc and to ross um a reminder that all new sbk users get 30 pounds in free bets when they sign up and bet 10 pounds for the first time don't forget to subscribe and to whichever podcast channel you listen to listen to this on we're also on youtube as well and we will back we will be back with you for more next week <laughs>